Hey, you know, we got the best podcast in the world here at WABC, and one of those is uh, Cop Talk, the Cop Talk podcast. You get it on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, retired Detective Kevin Schroeder, along with his partner, Captain Ed Mamet, and uh, these guys have amazing stories over the decades from the NYPD. And, of course, today is uh, the Red Apple Audio Network and Ramsey Mazda, Back the Blue, with special programming all day long. To all police officers everywhere, we thank you for your honor and dedication as you protect and serve. Listen all day long as Ramsey Mazda and uh, the Red Apple Audio Network, Back the Blue. And, Ed, first to you, you and my dad were on active duty together. You were cops together. Yes. I want to tell you that <clears throat> I did 40 years, and I worked under 11 commissioners. And I know your father since 1972. We came off the same lieutenant's list, and we came off the same captain's list. And I have to say he was the best police commissioner that I recall in my time. He is a was and is a class act, and I wish he had run for mayor. Thank you, sir, very, very much. So I was in the same room as you when I was in first grade. I I remember when he got promoted to lieutenant. It was a big deal in the house, and uh, we all went to police headquarters. Were you promoted with him? Uh, I was promoted before him. Oh, uh, so we missed he, each other. No, because what happened was I believe he had just come back from Vietnam, and he was studying for law. He was junior to me in seniority, and seniority counted toward the promotion. So I was higher on the list because I had more time in the job than him. I believe I'm five years older than him, and I had more time. But uh, we came off the same promotion list, and he um, he went on to be police commissioner. Yeah, I know. We're so proud. And even when we were kids, we realized, you know what? Hey, this guy who lives with us, he's going places. (laughs) Detective Schroeder, Kevin Schroeder, uh, first of all, from when to when were you on uh, the police force? Uh, First of all, Greg, thank you for having us on your show. Uh, I came on in January of 1985, and I retired October of 2012. Wow. Almost uh, 28 years. And overall, you had a good time? It's a great job, greatest job in the world, and I met people on this job that I'm friends with probably the rest of my life. You're a detective. When you walk in, first of all, did you ever investigate a case? Did you always have a partner when you investigate a case? Yes, we had a team. And uh, if you went to just ask somebody questions, could you tell could you just get a hunch that, okay, this guy's dirty or this guy's hiding something or you get, you develop a bit of a sixth sense, right? You do. And basically ask a question, solve a crime. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, don't be afraid to ask a question. You know, there's no question that's, uh, out of ordinary. I mean, if you, if you, when you investigate a crime, uh, always ask every question possible. And if you have to ask it a second time, third time, so be it until you get the right answer, actually the truth. You know, uh, you ever see in law and order and they go in, they ask questions. And the guy, whoever it is, is always doing something else, moving packages, tending bar. I mean, when cops come in with questions, people are like, uh, what? You're right. They, they freak out a little bit, right? They're, they're really on guard. They get nervous, yes. Yeah. It's so un- unrealistic, the cop shows. So listen, uh, the Cop Talk podcast, Ed, tell us how it works. Uh, well, what we do is we try to have a very broad, uh, spectrum. We, we contact people around the world who are involved in law enforcement, either sworn, sworn uh, law enforcement or civilians, to get their perspective on uh, what's going on. Uh, we're trying to stay away from the narrow focus of, you know, cases and crime. Uh, we get involved in policy issues um, and things like that. And, uh, you know, we've had some very good uh, guests on the show. We've even had uh, Andrew Giuliani. We've had... Um, uh, we're trying to get you on. <laughs> We'd love to get your father on. You you guys have a phone, don't you? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a, we're here. We're okay. right down the hall. Okay. Anytime. 
So, uh, <laughs> hey, it's got to be impossible, uh, Kevin, uh, retired detective, to get away with murder these days. I mean, like, with all the cameras everywhere and the technology, it's, I mean, are they, what do they call it, closing a case? When you close a case, you solve a case, right? Correct. So is the closure rate today, like, higher than it's ever been before? Oh, again, with the help of video and surveillance, which, I mean, today you can't, you know, throw a gum wrapper on the street without it being seen on court on camera. So uh, I believe with the uh, uh, the cameras uh, in the city of New York today, as well as every everyone has a ring camera, I mean, everything's caught. Anything that's done, I believe, in New York City is caught on camera. So, yes, I'm sure it uh, helps the detectives of New York City solve their crimes as well. Besides old-fashioned police work goes as well, knocking on doors and asking questions. Now, my dad was in almost every command, but he was never a detective. Um, how do you become a detective? Uh, there's many ways. You have to investigate time to become a detective. Uh, you start at the third grade detective. Actually, I was promoted second and first grade detective under your dad while he was commissioner. Uh, so thank you for that. But with that said, basically, you have to put in your time, investigative time, to uh, be promoted the third grade detective. Can I ask you a cop story, Captain Ed? Uh, what is the most exciting chase? You ever have to chase somebody down? Uh, yeah, but the best case I ever worked on. But tell me about the chase first. The chase. Yeah, you ever like just run after somebody either like on the street or in, in yeah, a car? Yeah, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> you were going to have a heart attack. Well, what happened? Uh, I was a young detective in the narcotics uh, bureau, and uh, we observed a drug sale, and uh, we went to arrest the guy, and he took off. And I remember I was chasing him, and I was I was young. And I would chase them several blocks, and I started to get out of breath. And I said, oh, my God, I feel I'm going to have a heart attack. I didn't. But um, we chased them and chased them. But, you know, chasing people, it could be quite dangerous. You can. Yeah. Did he get away? Uh, no. my We apprehended him. I think my partner grabbed him. Oh, I, I love it. I was out of breath. <laughs> you know, most people, most people, like, you know, they can go, they can go an entire year without being chased, or an entire lifetime without chasing somebody. You know, you chase people when you're playing tag. And you guys did it at work. I think it's pretty pretty wild. It's a pretty cool profession. All right, but the best case you ever did. You, you, I, I the best you case I ever worked on I was, <clears throat> was in 1971. Um, they had just created what was called detective specialization, where the, instead of the uh, detective precinct detective squads handling, handling cases, they were on a specialized basis, and I was in the robbery squad. And there was a... Robbery of the municipal reference, uh, the municipal um, uh, finance center at the uh, in the municipal building. Um, the Brinks was delivering the money, and uh, three bad guys came up with guns and shot the two Brinks guards and escaped with the money across the Brooklyn Bridge. And it turned out, unfortunately, one of the robbers was a police officer, an active duty police officer. His name was John Crocker. Wow. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, an off-duty cop who was in the area saw this. Uh, he ran up on the uh, the uh, Esplanade of the bridge. He fired several shots into the car. And several days later, the car was found abandoned in Brooklyn with bullet holes. And believe it or not, about four parking tickets. And it had blood in the seat. So anyway... Somebody called us and said there's a car here with bullet holes, and we traced the car back to this, um, the woman who was his wife. And when she showed up at the scene, we had detectives bring her back. She said she, the last person that used the car was her husband. And, uh, and I said, well, what does your husband do? So she said, he does what you do. I said, what do you mean by that? 
Turns out he was a police officer, a uniformed police officer assigned to the 90th precinct in Brooklyn. <clears throat> and he was, he himself was wounded by the uh, off-duty cops' bullets. And he called up at night. He was supposed to come in at midnight. He called for emergency leave, uh, and he was granted. And he took off, <clears throat> went down south, and uh, eventually uh, he surrendered. And there was a trial, and he was sentenced to 25 years. Wow. You know, uh, I'm looking at this case. It's just as you described. I found it in the New York Times, 1971. Everything you just said, the names, everything. You got it, you, it, It's all there. Do we know if this guy got, ever got out of jail? Yes, he did. He did his time. He got out. 25 years? He must have got I out I don't early. think he did 25, but it was a tough piece of work because the money was never recovered. And I remember that people went to see him in prison. And his nickname was Hacksaw. And he was a tough guy. He wouldn't give anybody up because there were other people involved in that case. And um, we figured he knew where the money was, and he waited till he got out of jail, and he got it. I remember his, his wife's name was uh, Betty Crocker, Elizabeth Crocker. How about that? Deputy Police Commissioner Robert Daly, in charge of press relations, reflected on the department's confusion over why the patrolman, John Crocker, 42 years old, would have become involved in what was described by detectives as a well-planned operation. No doubt he was a very good cop. We can't understand what went wrong. Huh. Um that's pretty wild. I love these cop stories. And uh, Kevin Schroeder, I know you do the the policies and uh, all that other stuff, but nothing like a good cop story. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, you got one? Oh, I have many. So, uh, but speaking about homicides, uh, you know, uh, Carnegie Deli homicide was a case in Midtown North had. I was a detective there. It wasn't my case, but I was assigned to, of course, the team to help out solve that case. It was five people shot, three dead, triple homicide. In May of 2001, and then, of course, four months later was 9-11. So we were running with that case, and then, of course, four months later is 9-11. So it was a, uh unfortunate busy year for the Midtown North Detective Squad. But it was an interesting case because it was basically, uh, they call it the Carnegie Deli homicide because it, it, it all happened above the Carnegie Deli. It was an apartment building above the Carnegie Deli, hom- uh, and that's why they call it the Carnegie Deli homicide. Right. Um, but uh, it was two shooters, and it took about uh, three or four months, and uh, they were both arrested. I believe one was found uh, out of out of Miami uh, after they were they were seen on the um, most America's Most Wanted is when we got the second piece to the homicide. So the homicide was solved four months later, and then of course we were right into nine eleven. Wow, wow. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. So I asked my dad earlier if you guys, if he would recommend that his grandchildren, when they become of age, 21, 23, whatever, would he recommend joining the police department if they wanted to? He said, ooh, that's a tough question. I don't know. And the, I love the institution, but, uh, you know, it's kind of lost its way. How would you answer that, Ed? I think I would answer it the same way. But I would like to tell you a very interesting story about your father uh, that I didn't know until 20 years later after the incident. Uh, and I heard him this morning talking about how he became such a great leader through his Marine Corps experience. Mm. Uh, and I, as I think I once told you, I was in Marine aviation. Um, so I have that kinship with him. 
But in 1973, I was seriously injured. I mean, really bad. I was almost, I almost died. And I was on, I was, I was severely, uh, very, very sick. And I didn't know it, but your father had came to the hospital and was there. And I never knew he was there. 20 years later, when he was the police commissioner, I received an award. And he presented the award, and he spoke about how he went to visit me in the hospital. And he described that I was on an ice bed, and I was I had very high fevers. And after the ceremony, I went over there. I said, hey, Ray, I never knew you went to the hospital. Why don't you tell me? He says, well, what what, what good would it do? You know, I was there, and he, he saw my, my wife, and he consoled her. And I thought that was so admirable of him. And, and I learned that... Uh, one of the things that he learned was to, in, in the PD, he used to call the cops that were sick. He would call them and visit them. And he learned all this in the Marine Corps. And that's one of the things people don't know about him, is that he had great compassion for the injured uh, police officers, whether it was line of duty or non-line of duty. He would visit them and call them. Mm. And I thought that was just great. Yeah. No. He was so humble. He never, As I say, in all the years I knew him, he never told me that he was in the hospital to visit me. Until 20 years later when he gave me that award. Huh. Um, I know this sounds really crazy, but I think I remember him visiting you in the hospital. I know that sounds really nuts, but I have memories from this period, believe it or not. You know, I was three. Four. I, I actually kind of remember, and um, I think I could be completely. No, no, well, your things. mother did also, because when I met your mother, she remembered, she remembered my name. Wow. But he's such a class act. I, I just, you know, I wish he would come back. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ed. So, uh, the podcast, uh, you guys get along, you know, co-anchors, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I was with Rosanna Scotto. I love her, but man, oh man, you know, <laughs> it has, it has its, uh, challenges. You guys, uh, everything good when you're in the booth together? Oh yeah. Kevin and I are in sync. You know, it's interesting. I was hey, a captain. Hey, Ke- <laughs> Kevin, Kevin wants to talk. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> it is interesting because he was a captain management and I was a junior rep. I was a delegate for the detective endowment association. Right. So it's interesting. Boss management versus detective union. He still pulls but, rank. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, but we get along very well. We get along very well. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, he puts me in my place and sometimes I, I have to put him in his place. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. He's the host and I'm the co-host. Oh, all right. So you, you were the co-host. Yeah. He's, so he's the boss. He's the main guy. <laughs> yeah, you were the boss. Oh, he's the boss. How did, how is it he's the boss? Because it was his idea. He came up with the idea originally about a cop talk show, and I spoke to John Katsimatidis about it. John knows Kevin also. Um, in fact, Kevin knows John longer than I do. Uh, and I and, and they said, fine, let's give it a shot. And Ke- Chad Lopez also liked it, the idea. And so we went with it, but it was Kevin's idea. Well, it's a great idea, and it's a great podcast, and you're great, guys. It's Thank called you. the Cop Talk Podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts, but uh, also on our website, of course, the BBC Radio. And uh Ed and uh, Kevin, thank you. Continued success. And uh, final thoughts, Kevin? Well, thank you for having us on, and I hope that uh, you'll be our guest someday soon. And with that said, God bless the NYPD and God bless America. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. And Ed? when you see your father again, would you ask him if he would like to come on our podcast? <laughs> okay. You know, I, I, <laughs> I'm not his booker, you know. I mean, just give him a call. All right. He visited you in the hospital. You can give him a call. Okay. All right. And, Greg, uh, thank you for your service as well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, 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 Thank you, sir. We'll be right back.